It's time for a Big Blue Kickoff Live. Nobody can ever tell you that you couldn't do it because you did. On Giants.com. You know what I saw? New York Giant Prime. And the Giants mobile app. 17-14 is the final. One touchdown, we are world champions. Believe it, and it will happen. Part of the Giants Podcast Network. Let's go out there like a bunch of crazy dogs. Have some fun. Welcome to Thursday's edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live here on Giants.com as well as the mobile app. He's Jonathan Casillas. I'm Lance Meadow with you for the next 60 minutes as we take you up for the next 60 minutes on a variety of topics pertaining to the New York Giants and a whole lot more and multiple ways for you to interact with us here on the program. You give us a ring, 201-939-4513, hashtag Giants Chat on Twitter. And as a reminder, you can find the archive of the show and our entire podcast network on the Giants mobile app, podcast platforms everywhere, and at Giants.com slash podcast. So busy times for the New York Giants. We will get your perspective on what has happened. But I want to start off, Jonathan, with the newest transaction and keep in mind there's a distinct difference between the Giants finalizing deals with certain players and then others where terms have been agreed to but it hasn't necessarily been finalized so Jeff Smith is the latest and he doesn't have to make much of a transition because he suited up for the New York Jets over his first four seasons he's now coming over to the New York Giants and this is a complimentary piece guy that played special teams for the bulk of his career he played no more than 43 percent of the offensive snaps in his four years with the Jets. But here's a young ascending player still and somebody that's going to compete for a roster spot as he enters the fold here. Yeah, look, the Giants are doing a great job in kind of stacking positions. And <clears throat> we talked about this before. I think uh, number one priority, of course, Daniel Jones. They figured out the Saquon situation. But the Giants needed depth all over the team in every single position. And I think a huge uh, – uh, the, the reason why was, was because of special teams. The special teams have been so poor for the Giants, especially last year, because the Giants really didn't have depth on offense or defense. So they're using guys who are probably more of special teamers as starters. You know, so now they're kind of stacking positions. And, of course, we all think that the Giants should make a play for that number one alpha-type receiver. But depth is always good. Quality guys that have spent some time in the NFL, have spent some time uh, on special teams and are familiar with it and can be players and special role players on that phase of the of the game, which the Giants, they, they, they lack. They, there are some guys on the Giants that do well on special teams, but you need a good group of guys that don't care about playing offense or defense. I'm not saying he's that guy, but that's what you need. And there hasn't been too many people talking about that. You, All you guys, we talk about receivers, linebackers, D-linemen, who will resign and stuff like that. Not too many people are talking about special teams. I think the Giants, they're not overlooking that part of the, of the aspect of football, of offense, defense, and special teams because it's a three-phase game. It's not just who's throwing touchdowns. It's not who's making the sacks. It's how are we doing on field position. And that is huge when it comes to special teams. Well, you look at Giants history. I mean, Dwayne Harris is a guy that comes oh, to absolutely. mind, right? He signed the same day I signed. Yeah, mm-hmm. so you're very familiar with him, your former teammate. And everyone talked about all of the other guys, right, that contributed on an offense. And Harris actually was a nice contributor. As he was a, receiver, a pro bowler. But we're talking about somebody that contributed, Jonathan, to all four facets on special teams and it's hard to find guys like that who are so reliable and durable that you know what you're going to get out of them game in and game out yeah and that's that i feel like that's been kind of downplayed especially because they moved the kickoff up and then the rules that that has made it difficult over over the years you know but it's still a value like punt 
If you ask anybody, punt is one of the most crucial plays offensively and defensively in the game because that dictates field position. That's why these punters are getting signed, man. These punters are getting deals. Changes field. You know, yeah. they're, they're, they're getting deals. They're getting signed because it's a huge facet in the game. And the Giants need to make improvements in that. And I think the number one way you do that, you get valuable players that play, you know, wide receiver, tight end, linebacker, running back, that add depth to your team, but don't mind playing special teams, three or four core guys that can play, you know, 20, 30% on defense or offense, and then play all the special teams plays and sell out on those plays and play above and beyond and not be, there's a lot of guys that are upset they're not playing offense or defense. And like, man, I, I got to go out there for, for punt. You know what I mean? You want guys to go out there. Like, when I wasn't playing defense, it's a difference when you're playing defense and when you're not playing defense. When I wasn't playing defense, I knew that all my production was coming from special teams. So I literally sold out. And, like, I'm not letting nobody beat me on no play. You know, and that was the mindset I had. I think that's why I had so much success in special teams for so long. You know, and then as I made that transition to being a starter and a part-time teamer, the mindset is a lot different. The Giants got a lot of guys like that. Starters or part-time starters that play a little bit of special teams. You need guys that know they're not playing defense, know they're not playing offense, and they're just going to sell out for you every single play on special teams. It reminds me, special teams, that this is something you can attest to having contributed in that facet. In basketball, defense, you have to want to play defense, right? You can have the skill set and the length and the leaping ability, but if the desire is not there, it's very hard to teach someone to make up for the lack of desire. I feel special teams is the same thing. You can have right all of the unique skill set and all of the intangibles, but if the guy doesn't want to go out there and play, it's hard to overcome that. Yeah, and because a lot of those guys that play special teams, they're they're like production uh, positions. You know, I said running back, running back score touchdowns, tight end the same thing, wide receiver, linebacker. You're used to doing certain things and having production on offense or defense. Special teams, a lot of times, there's only one guy making the play. Yeah. You know what I mean? Most of the time. So, you know, you're away from the ball, you're holding up wedges, you're setting blocks, you're doing things that you're not accustomed to doing. You know, and one thing I do right now, like I I, I be I hope with a lot of linebackers in high school, some young guys that I be training, one thing that I always make sure I do, I train them on special teams. There's not too many people that doesn't play O-line that know how to do a kickback. A literal kickback, which they do on punt. They don't really do it too much in college, but in the NFL, the conventional, basically, uh, punt pro is a kick slide. You don't teach that. They don't teach that unless you're playing O-line or punt team. So some of these kids who are probably really good athletes, uh, safety, linebacker, whoever, you know, guys that I work with on defense, they don't know how to kick slide at all. You know, so that's kind of like a learning, uh, you know, time they got to learn where they can get to college, learn how to kick slide or know how to kick slide and go ahead and play right away on special teams as they're learning the defense. So, I mean, that's kind of like, you know, when I do my focus, because my thing is when it comes to football, it's not just am I playing on defense? Am I playing on offense? How could I be valuable to this team? And, And that's what. All these free agents that are not the top tier free agents, that's what they got to have in their mind. It's like maybe I don't, I'm not a first day starter when I sign with this team. But when you come in, they're going to expect you to play special teams if you're in one of those positions that I just named. And if you can do that, now you're on active roster. Now you're on an active roster. Something happens with an injury or somebody's not playing well. Yeah, you move up the depth. You chart. move up because you're there. So special teams, for me, that was my way 
of basically staying around. I had injuries early in my career that kind of prevented me from playing defense as much as I wanted to, but I was always a special teams guy. I was a special teams ace at one point in my career, and I felt like I was one of the better special teams players in the league, but it's a mindset that you gotta, you gotta have to it, and the Giants need a lot of guys like that because at the end of the day, we saw what the defense did last year. They did really well, especially at certain times, especially in the red zone. They did really well offensively, looked dominant at certain times. Special teams, not really like that. A lot of a lot of poor performances kind of stacked up on each other. Uh, a couple drop punts, not not good punts. A terrible like just a lot of things that happened. Not too much positivity. But as the Giants continue to build this roster, add depth at certain positions, their special teams going to increase increasingly get better as time goes on. Richie James, for example, is a player, right, who took advantage of extra wide receiver reps because there were injuries ahead of him on the depth chart. So you know he was going to be active as a return guy. All of a sudden, his number's called on offense. Matthew Slater, I think, is another guy Mm -hmm. from your New England days who I think is worthy of bringing up. Now, he's really a core. He's on another level. He's on another level. He's the extreme. Yeah. He's the standard. But Mm -hmm. there are guys that make a good living and hang around. Oh, 100%. For X amount of years because they're committed. When I first got to the league, Pearson Prelu, he was like a 15-year safety. He never played safety, though. He was only a teamer. And he knew things that, like, you got to be in the game for as long as he have for you to know it. You know, and, and but that's the essence of the game. You know, like, that's why Tom Brady was so good at the end of his career, because he's had so much experience playing the quarterback position that he knew things that people didn't know. You know, and, and look, as you start building your roster and start building it out, you got to have multiple talented people at every position. You know, you can't just have one good starter. And I feel like last year, the Giants, especially because of the injuries happened so early with a lot of the young guys, the Giants had like one guy at one position, maybe maybe two guys at, at, at a position. You know, the Giants need multiple talented guys at every single position. That's how you stack up to make a team. Because at the end of the day, attrition is always a factor, right? And the Giants suffered from that last year and struggled through it. Young guys stepped up. Daniel Jones had a magnificent year, ended up making it to the playoffs. But injuries always happen. You can't you can't avoid injuries. It's just it's just like that. You know, that's why you have to have depth. And the Giants, I feel like right now, the way they're playing this offseason and the way they're kind of, you know, moving the roster around, signing the pieces that are here already, you know, uh known, you know, known guys who believe in who they believe in and they believe in the culture that Dayball and Joe Shane has established here. Now you're starting to build that depth that I've been talking about and really get a solid roster because some of your top guys are going to go down. You know, hopefully it's not the positions, you know, the most valuable positions, but it just happens, you know, that way, you know. And and I just – Nick Gates just signed, you know, over Washington. the commanders. Yeah. We don't like the commanders, but we love Nick Gates. <laughs> so I tip my hat off to him. Congratulations, brother. You know, I know you got some good guaranteed money. And I talked about this last week when we was on the show. All guys really want is security, you know. And, and, and now he got some security, you know, and because he's a – he is a main like cog when you talk about an example of guys needed security. He had a, a traumatic injury that most Maybe. guys probably couldn't have come back came back from. You know, and his career would have been over. And he would have had to figure out some type of settlement, which would have not been as much money as he got from the commanders. You know, so guys need to get, you know, guys need to get money. Guys need new security. And look, if if you can't work out with the team that you want to be on, Somebody's willing to do it sometimes, you know, and guys don't be mad at Nick Gates because he's going down to to, to Washington, you know what I'm saying, because he has to have that security. If 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 you don't got to look outside of Nick Gates as an example, because he's a guy that suffered something that was almost career ending and he came back from it. 
struggled and then found his way as a solid guy for the for the Giants. Now he's landed a, a basically a career job in the Commanders, and now he's good to play against the Giants twice a year. There you go. Well, a lot of familiarity <laughs> across the league. I think that's well documented. He also, you could say he wound up creating his own market mm-hmm. as a result of him getting back on the field and contributing and proving his versatility once again. So that will be a player that the Giants will absolutely see. And the defensive players who went up against him in practice will at least have a bit of a scouting report. Well, we've been talking a lot about depth. Let's focus to a little bit more star power. They acquired Darren Waller. Who? 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 (laughs) (laughs) He met with the media yesterday. So this was our first interaction with him. And, he was talking about how he found out about the trade. He just got back from his honeymoon. <laughs> the Raiders, he just got married, yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Raiders call him up, tell him, we're trading you to the New York Giants, but clearly great value deal for a oh, third-round pick, conditional third-round right. pick to bring in a guy like that, Jonathan. Man, Who's got his pedigree. Granted, I understand there's some injury that you got to be concerned about, but if he's healthy, he mm. stays on the field, I would turn a conditional third-round pick into a proven commodity like that any day any of the week day. and any, twice on Sunday. Yeah, and, and I'm with you with that. Look, the guy is tremendously talented. You know, when you talk about best tight ends in the league, I think I think there's a number one consensus in, in Kelsey, and then you got, you know, Kittle probably, and then it might be Waller. Oh, he's as, in the as conversation. A, as a healthy when guy, healthy, sure. he might be a top three type tight end in the NFL, and I think that bodes very well to what Daniel Jones like to do. Daniel Jones is kind of a, a rhythm type of passer, and he's very good over the middle. And think about where the tight ends are going to be at. The tight ends are going to be somewhere basically between the hashes. You know, and, and Waller, he can run every route. You know, he run routes like wide receivers. He's huge. He has a big, a big catch radius, you know. So that means Daniel Jones don't have to be that accurate. You know what I mean? When <laughs> you throw when you throw into yeah. a guy like that. And, and you know, we've been talking Giants need number one receiver. Giants need number one receiver. Maybe he's not a receiver, but he's definitely a number one option. He's definitely a number one option. I'm not saying the Giants have addressed that number one receiver role, but this definitely, again, adds depth to that receiving output when Daniel Jones dropped back. Now he has multiple options. You sign Sterling again for a very very reasonable deal, who is one of the most, I think, charismatic leaders in the NFL. I watched Sterling week in and week out as he was hurt be a leader here on this franchise. I watched him when they beat the Colts and secured their uh, their playoff job. We hung out that night. It was Sterling the one that was running the DJ booth. You know, he was the one that was getting guys fired up. He is a leader for this locker room. Guys look up to him, and that's what the Giants need. Giants need guys who have proven themselves in this league that know how to get the job done, know what it takes to be a professional day in and day out, no matter what happens talking about their health-wise, because he was hurt basically the whole year last year. Yeah, he got hurt very early in the year. Every single game, every single game I'm watching Sterling post, every single game. I'm watching Sterling be basically like a a cheerleader, you know what I mean? Well, that's why they kept him around for that very reason. He kept morale up. He kept them going. He would get those guys fired up, whether they was losing or winning. So I think it was a huge signing to have a guy like that. I I guess for a bargain deal, he is damaged goods. I hate to say that term, but he, it's the truth. Well, he's been through a lot. Two significant injuries back-to-back years, you know, and I hope, you know, he can finish his career here in New York, and I hope he can finish his career healthy. Now, with respect to the dynamics of this offense, you were hitting on the fact that Darren Waller, he may not be the number one wide receiver by trade, but he can be the number one weapon. Mm-hmm. And if you look, Jonathan, around the NFL, I think there's this – narrative you need a number one wide receiver I'm not downgrading that I'm not saying that you shouldn't but I think teams can operate with the tight end 
being I mean, the focal point. The Chiefs, you Correct. know, you, Kansas you, City's a good example. You take Tyreek Hill, one of the best receivers in the league, off of that offense, and you're like, okay, where do you guys go from here? We're gonna do what we've been doing. We're gonna keep giving it to our number one target in Travis Kelsey, because even though Tyreek Hill was a guy, I don't think he was the number one target for them. I think Kelsey was always the number one target for them. So when you look at the Chiefs and what they've done, how they were able to score 38 points in the Super Bowl against a very talented and skilled defense uh, in the Philadelphia Eagles, they ran through their tight end. And the thing is, he's so good, and I think Waller is just as good in terms of when it comes to one-on-one coverage and even double coverage, that people know where the ball's going and you really can't do nothing about it. You know, I've played some really good tight ends. Witten, Tony Gonzalez, sure. uh, 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 the guy from San Diego. Um, well, I can't Antonio think of his Gates. Name. Antonio Gates. I've covered these guys later in their careers. You know, not really early because they were a little older than me. But like later in their careers where they were like kind of easy to guard. You know, you'll, you'll, you'll stay on them and then like they're not really open. But they can always get open and catch the ball. They're always open. Waller, because he has that body and that catch radius, it's like a basketball play, and he's just gonna box you out and catch the ball. So it makes it he, he, like it makes him such a tremendous target for Daniel Jones, and he really can help facilitate this offense. And you can run the offense through him. I do still think that the Giants need uh, a little more talent at that wide receiver position. I think they need the number one receiver, you know, and I think that'll kind of make this offense complete. Got to definitely show up the, the O line a little bit more, you know. But like Joe Shane is doing everything I think that we we thought he could do and more. You know, I think he showed what he could do last year, what he did during the season. I think moving Kadarius Tony in the middle of the season, how he did it, and now he's basically utilizing that pick. Yeah. For Darren Waller, who was one of the most talented tight ends in the league, and he had four years left, three years left on his deal. We didn't even think about him. Nobody said nothing about no Darren Waller. I never heard nobody say nothing about Darren Waller, and I watch a lot of shows. <laughs> None of us talked about him. No, we we're did talking not. about yeah. all kind of other guys who got like maybe one year left in their contract. But Joe Shane somehow, some way, got this guy to you know come to New York, man. And look, I tip my hat off to Joe Shane. I really can't say nothing you know negative about him. He's doing such a tremendous job for the Giants, and you know bringing in a guy like Darren Waller. And the thing is, the guy has overcame so much. You know, he's just so happy and grateful to be Great playing story. football. Yeah. You know, and if y'all don't know the story, like look up, look up Darren Waller, man. He has a tremendous story. You know, addiction was there. You know, and and kind of struggling early and on, early on in his career with Baltimore, and then basically, you know, making himself and he gives back to his community and stuff like that. So he a man. He's a man's man. He's gonna do great here in New Jersey. People are gonna love him, and I'm I'm just excited to see what else Joe Shane has up his sleeve. You know, because free agency just started a couple of days ago. Well, and I think what Joe Shane has proven is he's not just throwing money against the wall and seeing if it sticks. He's finding creative ways to improve the roster, but being practical and saying to himself, I just dug myself out of a precarious spot with the salary cap. I'm not going to now put myself back into that. That's why conditional third-round pick for Darren Waller, to your point, who has a few years left on the contract, which I said yesterday, I mean, that to me is a good bang for the buck type of situation because even if there's some risk involved with respect to injuries it's a conditional third round pick for a guy that had multiple 1,000 yard receiving campaigns led the Raiders in receiving yards in years where they didn't have a number one guy right right? he was it Travis Kelsey for example I brought up the Chiefs numbers 110 receptions Juju 78 right not even close yeah I mean that was their offense they operated around the tight end 
Does Travis have a little bit more durability, proof-wise? Sure, yeah. absolutely. But it can be built, and, oh, by the way, where does my Kafka come from? Kansas right. City, yeah. where Kelsey was the focal point. So some interesting connections there. The other thing you brought up about Waller's story, Andy Bischoff, who's the tight ends coach, he was in Baltimore with Waller before he ran into some issues off the field. He was the assistant tight ends coach. So he's got somebody in his corner here that he knows very well. Wink Martindale and Drew Wilkins, the outside linebackers coach, they were also in Baltimore with Wilder. So it's awesome. a small world. Yeah. And you yeah, see that is. too, it Jonathan, does happen right? Like from that. going mm-hmm. team to team. There's always some type of an overlap. That happens. So that happened when I was here. So I, I had uh, Steve Spagnola as a defensive coordinator my last year in New Orleans Saints. And I played the next two years uh, in Tampa and I got traded my second year in Tampa to New England, won my second Super Bowl. And, you know, free agency's here. So I'm talking to a whole bunch of different teams, the Lions and Philly and all kind of teams. And out of nowhere, my agent's like, man, the Giants, bro, they just make you a nice little offer. I'm like, really? Like, where do they come from? <laughs> he says, Spagnola's there. I was like, ah, oh. So me and Spagnola's like this. Sure. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. I, I told him, like, when I was basically looking to play my 10th year, I was like, hey, Spags, you know, y'all need some help over in Kansas City. <laughs> Holla at me, baby. No, that's what you, you know, got to do. But that's yeah. what happens, man. And, and and I tell a lot of guys that we had a guy here named Nat Burry, tremendous special teamer. He's one of those guys that the Giants need right now on special team. Yeah. He'll light you up. His like nickname, His nickname was The Missile. There you go. You know, and I think one game he was upset that he wasn't playing. And he wasn't playing on defense. And Landon was here. And uh, yeah, Thompson here. We had a whole bunch of safeties here. And he was upset. And he was kind of like – showing it in a locker room and kind of walking around with like a grimace on his face. And I brought him to the side, I said, bro, if you don't want to be here, that's cool. But don't show them that. You talk to your agent about it, but like come here, come to work every single day. You're a dog on special teams, dude. And yeah, you can play safety, but it's not all about can you play or not. You know, that's not all that's no that's not always the case. Yep. But what you don't need to do, you don't need to burn no bridges, bro. Because when they start calling up the Giants and they ask, hey, what's up with that? They're, and if the, you got an honest coach, he's going to tell them what you've been doing for the last, you know, couple of days. You know, and he turned around and had one of his best games in that game. You know, like, it's all about your mindset and perspective on how you look at things, you know, and be grateful that you have an opportunity. And if you want out, then get out. But don't do it negatively. Don't walk out like, a, you know, with a puppy between his legs. Because <laughs> at the end of the day, you're a pro. You got to act like a pro. And if you want to leave, it's just business, bro. Don't take it personal. You know, and don't show them that you're taking it personal because they'll bring you in. They'll pay you money for that. You know what I'm saying? But they ain't going to pay you if you're acting like a sourpuss. You know what I mean? There's a guy that I know by the name of A.B. who basically is a prime example of that. He burned so many bridges that the NFL said, you know what? We're good. We don't care how talented (laughs) you are. Nobody's messing with A.B. Is he not one of the best receivers ever? Yes, he is. But he burned so many bridges that nobody even want to deal with him anymore. Well, I think you bring up a great point that it's more than just talent, relationships, financial implications, a lot of things go into playing time, why players get second chances, and also why guys don't get second chances and third chances, as you brought A.B. up as an example. And we'll get more into some of the other Giants players because I do want to get your perspective on Bobby Okereke since he played the same position you did at the linebacker spot. But in the meantime, let's open up the phone lines, 201-939-4513. Before we do that, just a few reminders. You could subscribe to the Giants Huddle podcast 
Search for Giants Huddle on your favorite podcast platform. You can listen on the Giants app as well as Giants.com slash podcast. Giants fans, we're starting to look ahead to the 2023 campaign. Take your fandom to the next level with a season ticket membership. Stay connected to the club all year round, not just on game days. Memberships are now available for the 2023 season. To learn more about all the exclusive member benefits, visit Giants.com slash tickets. Limited inventory is available. And the Giants' official connected TV streaming app is Giants TV. It brings you original video content and game highlights on demand and direct to Big Blue fans. Giants TV, it's free. It's on Apple TV, Roku, Amazon Fire TV, as well as the Giants mobile app. All right, let's open up the phone lines. We check in with Justin in New York, joining us here on BBKL. What's happening, Justin? What do you got for us? Hey, guys. Uh Nice to see you, Lance and John. I'm glad you're still sticking around with the Giants. Always appreciated you on the field. Um, I have a couple statements and then a couple quick questions that I'll take off the air. The first one being, uh, I love the Darren Waller signing. I, signing, I think that's amazing. And I really love what Joe Shane's doing. Um, the questions being, what do you guys think about the Giants not necessarily going offense in the first round, possibly trading back? building capital and taking someone like Jordan Battle in the second um, to fill in for who might be leaving Julian Love. And is it true that Darren Waller is statistically the only Giants tight end officially that has had multiple 1,000-yard seasons? Um, And I will take that off the air. Thank you. All right. Appreciate the uh, phone call. Thanks for giving us a ring. Well, let's start in terms of the draft. I mean, it's still so early in terms of what direction they could go in, but as a generic response, would I be surprised, Jonathan, if they went defense instead of offense? No, because at the end of the day, first of all, when you pick 25th overall, who knows who's going to still be left on the board, assuming yeah. the Giants stay there. And if they feel there's good value on the defensive side of the ball, then you go defense. I don't think there's any position that they should feel we have a hole here. Right. We you have, have to, to take draft a guy. That's no, that's the right. worst thing you could do. Yes, I agree too. And the, and the thing is, the Giants have so many draft picks. I think they just lost one, so they're at ten now, and they they have a lot of draft stock and draft capital, so they can do whatever they want. You know, they can trade those picks away. They can you know try to move up if they want to. You know, they have a lot of draft capital. That's a that's a good thing. That's a good position to be in. You know, at this point, you know you're you know not too far away from the draft, and you're kind of just positioning yourself. To, you know, to get in position during the season. You know, so the Giants are real. I, th- I feel like they're at a real advantageous position right now. They're making the Giants in New York and New Jersey a really nice place to come to and play. You know, they're, they're adding good pieces here. You know, I just saw the big D tackle that we saw over there Keith with, his, with his family, his yep. beautiful family. You know, and they're, they're bringing in, you know, guys that not only are great players but are great men. You know, I just saw him in there. Talking to everybody, big smile on his face, big old diamond out chain, his <laughs> wife over there, his kids running around. You know, like the Giants are bringing in guys, they're bringing them in to their family, to the Giants family, and they're putting their arm over them. And these guys, when they feel like they're part of something like that, they're going to play their best football that they ever played. And that's what you're getting from the guys that come to this uh, this franchise, you know. Not only just... You know, the Giants and what the Maras and Tish, the decisions have done over the decades. But this leadership that they have from Brian Dayball and all the coaches and then Joe Shane, like these guys are establishing the right type of culture and bringing in the right type of guys to not only win, you know, last year and, and this year coming up, but for the next, you know, years to come, you know, for the next decade, they're building that here. And they're making the Giants a relevant team that can be 
in the consideration of a contender every single year because they've established a culture and they did it right away and they got to the playoffs in their first year. So look, a lot of things are happening. Some luck is involved when it comes to you know stuff like that. But man, when you're working and you're sitting there, you know, working your tail off and you're doing things the right way, it's not so much luck. You know, it's not so much luck when it happens. You know, it's like things that you know, it's karma. You know, you're doing the right thing. You're becomes doing becomes routine. You know, you know. So it's not so much luck. It's a little bit of luck. You know, but it's not so much luck when right things are happening all the time. And I feel like the Giants are kind of in that ballpark right now. With respect to the second question about Darren Waller in perspective of other Giants tight ends, Mark Bavaro had over a thousand yards in 1986. So to answer your question, Darren Waller isn't the first Giants tight end. Remember, he hasn't done anything yet in a big blue uniform, but there have been a Giants tight end by the name of Mark Bavaro that did have over 1,000 years. Shockey yards. never did? I'd have to look that up. Sh- I, I know, I thought did? the statistic that I came across was that Waller has more than every other tight end combined. Because, I mean, Waller oh, wow. had a stretch of, remember, yeah. three straight seasons or so where he had over 1,000 yards. Shockey's a good name. I don't know if he had a 1,000-yard season. I know Bavaro did, but... Let's bring up Jeremy Shockey's numbers to determine. Shockey's high receiving yards was not 1,000. It was 891 in 2005. Seven touchdowns. Yeah, yeah. Shockey, was a, <laughs> oh. Shockey was a beast. Yes, he no doubt about it. No, I mean, they've had several of the good tight ends. I don't think anybody's questioning that. But to reach the 1,000-yard mark, that has been very yeah. rare. That's why Bavaro was in a class of his own. Oh, for sure. Yeah, Legendary name, too. Absolutely. Absolutely. Toughness was yeah, definitely man. synonymous with his name from that perspective. Let's uh, head back to the phone lines. Donnie is in Queens joining us here on Big Blue Kickoff Live. What's happening, Donnie? What do you got for us? Uh, I think I got some breaking news for you guys. Uh, reports from Jordan Schultz that the Giants added to their wide receiver room. Paris Campbell uh, has been signed by the Giants. So it uh, wasn't really the reason for my call, but when I saw that pop up, I figured I'd bring it up. I would think, and you guys probably agree, that probably doesn't bode well for a Darius Slayton return. Mm. Well, I mean, once again, I had mentioned this on yesterday's show. I'm sure they've had conversations with him and his agent and said what direction they want to go in. And Darius takes two to tango. So, you know, it depends on what the market presents. I still think it's possible that he returns because remember, all these guys that sign are not necessarily guaranteed to make the roster. You have to keep that into consideration. But the bottom line is the more and more wide receivers that come in, just like any other position, Jonathan, you know, you you figure the chances of a guy coming back may diminish as a result of other guys moving ahead of him. Yeah, I think Slayton's been a topic of conversation for a while now. Is the Giants going to, you know, re-sign him or not? I I like Slayton. You know, I I was a big fan of his. I think his his consistency kind of Take, make me take a step back, you know, and uh, look, if he signs with the Giants, good. You know, if he doesn't sign with the Giants, I hope he does sign somewhere, and I wish him the best of luck, you know, and uh, I'm going to keep saying this over and over and over again. The Giants need ballplayers on this team. You know, not guys, no offenses to Slayton, but he was inconsistent this year. You know, I think he was a guy that I expected to be the deep threat for the Giants and, and you know, challenging, scared defenses and have a safety plan over top of him. And I feel like his inconsistency didn't allow that to happen this year. And you just need guys to play on a, and that you can trust. And those are the guys that are going to play. You know, and I feel like as the weeks went on and, and Coach Dayball always got asked, who's playing corner? Who's playing here? Because there were so many guys getting hurt. And he will always say about practice. And I don't think it was because he didn't know. I think he was trying to figure out who could he trust. I don't think he knew that in the beginning of the year. I think now he has a better understanding of who he can trust now. And, you know, the guys that they trust, they're going to play. 
You know, so the reason why I'm saying that is that Slayton's been here. You know, I don't think he proved enough to this team that they know that they need him here. Yes, they can use him. He's a great player. He's a good player. He's a great player at times, you know, but do they need Slayton here? I don't know if they know that answer quite yet. And the thing is, I think they answered that about a lot of guys this year. Well, the good news is they have intel on him, which right. is what you said. But they also could just say, hey, we're going to wait to see how the market plays out. Yeah. And that doesn't mean that he's out of their price range. It just depends on how things progress here during the course of the offseason. So I think it's too early to tell, going back to your initial question. But as they bring in more wide receivers, clearly it's an indication they wanted to upgrade that position, which I don't think anybody would disagree based yeah. on all the injuries that they had to deal with last season. And you'll forget upgrade. They have to fill it. There's barely anybody on the roster. Well, they have a lot of guys that are hurt, keep in mind, too, you know, right. who are on injured reserve. So, I mean, there's volume there. You got Colin Johnson, you got Sterling Shepard, you got Wondell Robinson, Isaiah Hodgins, you got Jeff Smith, who they just added. I mean, that's five guys right there. And Paris Campbell, according to reports, that's six. Remember, you're only keeping five to six guys yep. at wide receiver as it is. Not keeping more than you that. you got to bring in about 10 or 11 in yeah, training camp, it, though. you got to have mean, about remember, 11, 12 figure, in training camp. But you probably. figure they may draft a few guys. Yes. Okay, so, you know, that's going to bring the number up, too. Hey, they're working, yeah. baby. Jay, yeah. the Giants are working. Joe Shandy are working, baby. And I like how this offseason is yeah, kind of shaping what, up. What's the book on Campbell? He was a uh, high second-round pick. Yeah, Campbell right? dealt with injuries. Guy at Ohio State. Yeah, it, unfortunately, yeah. he's just been sidelined due to the injury bug. <clears throat> Excuse me. He's coming off his best season in 2022. He finally stayed healthy. So he was productive, and I'm not surprised because Mike Groh, who's the wide receivers coach, was with Paris Campbell in Indianapolis. So if anybody has intel on him, it's the positional coach for that spot. But the narrative with Campbell was the fact that he just unfortunately could not overcome the injury bug until the tail end of his rookie deal. So good for him, right? I mean, if you want to have a career year, you want to have it on an expiring contract. And Mike Groh, I'm sure, sat down with Joe Shane in the front office and he gave them his feedback, and the Giants, according to reports, nothing official, by the way, based on the team, they're taking a chance on him. Yeah, you know, it would be great if there was just a uh, number one wide out there, out there. but, you know, you can't just make them magically appear. So, you know, it looks like they're going to bet hey, on Hey, he did already. So. He made Waller appear, and he wasn't nowhere on nobody's <laughs> radar. So, I'm telling you, don't sleep on Shane. I appreciate the phone call. Don't sleep on Joe Shane, bro. Like, I, I've been saying this before. And I had a conversation with Joe, and we were talking about, you know, how many days he's going to have off and stuff like that. You know, but, like, I'm a believer in a man. Like, he's doing his GM job like he's been doing it for 100 years. You know what I mean? Like, he's killing this thing, man. And I know that as of right now, that's the hardest position that's doing anything right now because there's nobody playing football right now. You know, everybody's just figuring out his business. All business is happening right now. So Joe Shane has the hardest job right now as any professional in the NFL. Uh, and I talk about all general managers because this is a time where you're looking at the draft coming up. You're looking at these these young kids coming out of college. You're looking at free agents. You're diving into other people's rosters to see can we move some guys on our team or some trades, you know, some draft picks here and there to get a guy like a Darren Waller. Darren Waller was it three or four years left on his contract. He had multiple. Yeah, well, years. he signed a three-year extension prior to last. Right, season. so he had multiple years left on his contract, and then he left like. Like that's literally finding some, like a needle in a haystack. That's literally what he did, you know. And like I said, I'm not. I, I won't be surprised if he lands another big free agent. You know, another big free agent, possibly on defense. You know, we we don't know. And and that's a that's a great thing about where we're at right now because we're not talking football. We're talking business. You know, we're, we're talking transactions. We're talking roster. Well, moves, it's that time of the year. You know, so for me, it's like you know. I don't know if I told you, but like 
I know me and Schmelke talked about it. I said, look, I don't really know too much about this time of the year. You know, I'm all about football. My, me, I'm going on vacation. And I'm worried about when we come back for OTAs. <laughs> you know, so now I'm starting to dive into the business side. And it's, it's exciting, you know, because it's like you're just speculating. You know, you're just you're just thinking of maybe this will happen, maybe that'll happen. And then you look at Joe Shane and you see the moves that he's doing and just like, man, I like that, man. I, I like what he's doing, you know. So it's a different mindset, but at the same time, it's like this is what, you know, it takes to win when you come to December, when it comes to January, when it comes to February to eventually the Super Bowl. With respect to Paris Campbell, Campbell is a speedster. He's a guy that can stretch the field when healthy. So that fits that void that we have been talking about, yes. right, all offseason. That that, correct. They need somebody that could take the top off the ball. He's capable of doing that. And I think with Waller and Campbell, you're talking about there's upside. There's youth with Campbell because, once again, he's only coming off of his rookie deal. And if you can get these guys to stay on the field, you know, watch out. They could absolutely produce. So that's where the Giants are, and it's understandable because, once again, it goes back to if you want a number one wide receiver, number one, you got to pay for them, okay? Or you have to give up several resources. So that's not feasible. Part of navigating around that is, let's see if somebody is out on the market that has shown some flashes, Jonathan, but hasn't yet put it all together. Well, Campbell's shown flashes. Last season was his flash. And you look and you're like, wow, if he could do this for 16, 17 games, we may have something. We've seen what Waller can do, right, when he stays on the field. There's nothing wrong with that mindset. Now, it's a little bit of a gamble, right? You're still rolling the dice a little bit. It's always a gamble, though. Correct. Every transaction is a gamble. Listen, how many times have we seen – let's go to one of your former teammates. I think I was bringing this example up the other day, but I think it's relevant. Olivier Vernon. Oh, man. Did not miss a game, Jonathan, prior to arriving here. They missed game. And they and he signed, they signed for a huge yeah. deal. Huge deal. And he was a baller, too. Sure. But he couldn't stay healthy. He couldn't stay on the field. Yeah. Now, Absolute man. Correct. But what I'm saying is when the Giants front office makes that decision, that's a sound decision. Yes, it is. Do they have a crystal ball in front of them right. saying, nope. oh, Olivier Vernon is going to all of a sudden get banged up as soon yep. as he comes to the Giants? Yeah, if you knew that, you'd maybe make different decisions. Yeah. You know what, too? To, to switch a little bit about thought process in terms of, of – Joe Shane and Dayball and how they're kind of approaching free agency, I think they're relying a lot on we not only can bring in good players that has potential, we can develop them. Absolutely. Because we watched guys like Isaiah Hodgins, Richie James, some guys that brought in and were here that got better as the season progressed. You know, uh, even defensively, some of the young rookies, Dane Belton, some of the guys that younger guys, Jefferson, some of the guys that played, they got better as the season progresses. Like veterans, they don't really get better. They're good from the beginning. You know what I mean? They they're, they are how, who they are all season long. You know what I mean? That's that's why they've played seven, eight, nine years in the NFL. But some of these young guys, they don't really know what it takes to play, let alone one game in the NFL, 17 games, let alone playoff games in the NFL. They don't really know how to do that, you know? So the Giants, they've had guys that came in here that were like, like Isaiah Hodges was a no-name guy. He was on the practice squad for the Buffalo Bills. Look, everybody in the NFL is talented, even if you're on practice squad. But it's, it's it's not me being like subjective. This is an objective statement. He was a no-name guy. He wasn't playing at all. The Giants got him here. Not only was he good, he was really good at times. You know, that couple passes that he had in the playoffs, uh, going against Patrick Peterson, like oh, yeah. a competitor, you know. I think the Giants are relying on 
them developing guys as well. So you take a guy like Paris Kemble who showed flashes, you get brought into this environment, all of a sudden you look at your receiving room, man, this is a competitive receiving room. There's no Devontae Adams here, but you got a whole bunch of guys who are quality number two, three type of guys. You know, guys that are going to fight for you, guys that are going to block for you. That's why I love the Sterling Shepard signing so much because you got a tough guy who has been – you know, questionable in his durability, but when he's on the field, you don't question his toughness ever, ever. That's a guy who plays in that slop type position that'll take a hit from a linebacker, that'll go and hit a linebacker. I'd watch him go one-on-one with a safety all game, blocking him. I'd watch him do that. Other guys can thrive off of that. There's no divas in that room. I think that says a lot to the guys that they're bringing in, and I think Maybe they don't sign a number one receiver, but all of the receivers right now that the Giants have, they're all scrappy and they're going to fight and they're going to block. And that's what you need because look who's running the ball for you. Saquon Barkley needs guys blocking downfield. He's not, he maybe, maybe he's not as fast as he was his rookie year. Maybe he's not a 99 speed on Madden. Maybe he's 95. <laughs> you need that receiver blocking downfield for you. And that Giants, I feel like they're stacking the team with guys that are tough guys that they can develop. That was a huge component in 2018. Wide receivers, you'd see get up the field and Saquon would just follow them. And I think that's also a product of former Giants wide receivers coach Tyke Tolbert who mm-hmm. really emphasized that in his meeting rooms. Guys, I'm going to show you clips of who blocks the best coming out of games, not necessarily who makes the highlight real catch. But you got me thinking about another element. The development is definitely a part of it. But Joe Shane, Jonathan, prior to the start of free agency, emphasized, I would rather invest in guys where we're operating with intel, knowledge, and take a flyer on somebody that we don't know a lot about, even if the film is impressive. And look at this trend that we're seeing. Paris Campbell with Mike Groh in Indianapolis. Bobby Okereke was in Indianapolis with Mike Groh. And I know that hmm. he wasn't his positional coach, but you're going to tell me Mike Groh didn't acknowledge yeah, what sure. Bobby Okereke did in that locker room yep. on the opposite side of the ball. So there's two guys, direct connection, to the Giants coaching staff, Andy Bischoff with Darren Waller along with Wink Martindale and Drew Wilkins in Baltimore. Intel that you're getting on a player like that. Does everybody apply? No, but the majority of the players have ties to either a member of the front office, a teammate, Jeff Smith. If I sat here, it would take me the entire program to list you every former one of his teammates on the roster. I mean, he was with Leonard Williams. He was with Jared Davis. Right, right, right. He was with, you know, a bunch of guys. Jason Pinnock. They're making informed decisions. Exactly. And, and, you're, and the thing is, you're investing in these guys to bring them into basically your family. You're bringing the guy into your home here, and you have to have some type of level of trust because everything's a guess. Everything's a gamble, you know? But now you have, you know, some, some almost some – some guarantees or some guys that vouching for these guys. Lowering the risk. Not their talent, because you can see their talent on film. They're they're vouching for their character. Yeah. And and that's why I'm saying like the Giants have established something special here. And it's something I haven't seen in a long time. I don't think it was like that when I was here. You know, I was here the last year of Tom Coughlin and then it was McAdoo. And I know everybody says this about McAdoo. They t- they talk about McAdoo and says he wasn't a quality coach. But real quick, segue. Sure. I'm I'm give, about your I want to give McAdoo his credit because people don't give him credit. And I want to talk to the fans because they always they always poop on him. They always talk badly about McAdoo, right? And McAdoo, by the way, was on staff under Coughlin. For, yeah, so, he was the OC. Wasn't he OC correct. for a minute? Yes. So when, when I got here, I was a captain in 2016 and 17, right? Uh, my daughter got sick, right? 
and uh, I had to leave practice or something like that. McAdoo checked on my daughter. He was like, hey man, how's it going? How's your daughter doing? I'm like, man, I never had a head coach check on my kid or, or me like that. Cool, another thing happens, I think I had surgery on my fingers or something. He's like, hey man, two days later, hey man, how's it going, how are you recovering? And I was sitting back thinking like, man, I like McAdoo, man. <laughs> I feel like he was a great man, you know? Person, Not all the time yeah. that you're a great man that you always turn out to be a great player or a great coach, not all the time. A lot of it other helps. influences. It helps, Yep. but so for me, when people talk negatively about McAdoo, I'm like, maybe he just wasn't a great head coach. I don't think you could say he's a bad coach because he's he's still in the NFL coaching. You know what I mean? I think he's a good coach. I think he's a great man. So I will always speak highly of great men. And I will never talk negatively about great men. You know, and I, I it's, that's proven. And the reason why I'm bringing this point up is they're bringing in great men here. Because Dayball's a great man. Joe Shane's a great man. So they're bringing in great men here. Great men make other people great as well, too. You know, so it, didn't, it don't always work. It don't always work. But yep. it, they have a formula here, and I think that's the formula they're using consistently. And I think they saw it last year. It was proof in the pudding. And I think hopefully this year the Giants can improve. And we'll see. That I mean, that's all speculation. It's all, you know, hope, you know, for us to improve. But I feel like they got the right formula, and they're building character. They're building a, a roster full of character. The other thing that I think is related to what you're talking about, and you obviously can shed much more light on this, having been in locker room and interactions that you had with head coaches, but not that players need motivation to hang around in the NFL. But I would think if a coach like a McAdoo shows you that he cares about you as a person, before we're even talking about Jonathan X's and O's, that gives the player the indication, okay, I'm willing to run through a brick wall yep. for this guy if he cares for me when it comes to things that have no relation to what the scheme is, yep. what the strategy is. Playing time or anything yeah, like that. Yeah, I, I just think that that develops something. And I think a lot of the players see that in Brian Dable right. after year one, that it's first about the person, then it's about the football yep. player. Yep, and I think, like like you said, they've established that here, and it was early on in the season. I think we talked about that either on the pregame show or here, me and Schmokey. I talked about the one thing that they did do in 2022, they established culture. They established that, look, we're bringing in high-character guys that are going to contribute in however type of you know way or fashion, but number one priority, we're bringing in great men here. And I think that's what they're doing. And when you have a whole bunch of great men, great things happen. And that's why I don't think it's a coincidence. I feel it's worth emphasizing that a lot of the players that they're bringing in have some type of a connection yeah. to either a player on the roster or a member of the coaching staff. And once again, there's always going to be gamble. There's always going to be risk because you never can predict injuries as we were talking about with Olivier Vernon. But at least you feel as if there's some rationale behind the move, even if there is a bit of a gamble and the player hasn't necessarily panned out over the course of multiple years, such as a Paris Campbell. It was an educated guess. It exactly. wasn't a blind throw of the dart at a board. 100%. Right? It was an educated guess. And that's what you want, you know? Like I said, I think Joe Shane's doing a great job. I really like how this offseason is shaping up. I think Darren Waller is the biggest signing, uh, especially surprise signing, because there was other big free agents, but he wasn't a free agent. He was a trade that happened, right? I think he's definitely the biggest signing of all of the NFL right now, for sure. I want to get your thoughts on Bobby Okereke, because I think what's appealing Beast. to me is the fact that he's an every-down linebacker. Yep. You don't have to consider taking him off the field. And if you're going to make an investment, Jonathan, in a player like that, A, you want to know that there's no question about the run and defending the pass. I mean, the Colts utilized him sometimes out of the slot 
So if that doesn't tell you enough, then I don't know what does. And I'm sure when they spoke to Wink Martindale, Joe Shane got an answer where Wink said, yeah, third down. Oh, he's staying yeah. on the field. Yeah, yeah. I got a game plan. I know exactly how I'm utilizing him. So that to me, before we get into the other characteristics and features, I just, the fact that there's no question he's in every down linebacker is extremely attractive. Yeah, and that's, that's I feel like that's the thing that the Giants have struggled with uh, for a very long time. You know, because they've had good linebackers, but maybe they're only good against the first, second down against the run. You know, maybe they had good good linebackers that were only good in space and on third downs. Now you got a guy who can play all three downs, probably special teams. You can play all four downs. Yeah. You know, but they're not. You're not paying a guy forty million dollars, twenty two, no. twenty two guarantee, whatever. It's twenty guarantee. You're not paying that guy to play special teams. That's for sure. You know, but he's a guy that can play every. You know, all over the field. You know, he's going to be able to play the run, play in between the, the tackle box, play out in space because a lot of plays are. You know, a lot of uh, offenses are now outside the tackle box. You know, making guys move in space. He's going to be able to cover tight ends. You know, maybe not Darren Waller, but, you know, he's going to be a, a vital cog, you know, to the Giants defense, something that the Giants, I think that was one of the priorities when we talk about who should a Giants sign, that was the top five priority is to get you a middle linebacker. And I watched him play against the Giants last year. He had a tremendous game against the Giants. He made tackles, yeah, all, tackles. all over yeah. the field, you know, to the point where I, I learned how to pronounce his name, O'Karakee. And I was calling him O'Karakee Cake. That's how I remember how to say his name, you know. But I remembered him because, you know, the thing is, and I tell people this all the time, you know, you're playing against talented teams and like high school kids. You're playing against guys, you know, uh, that are like all American or whatever. You're when you play against them, you're on that film too, bro. So I'm watching the Giants. Okarake's all over the field. So now I'm like, who is this guy? So the guy pops out on film. You know, he's had you know over 140 tackles the last couple years uh, in a row. And and look, he's a baller, you know. And the Giants needed to fill that position with a guy that wasn't a a, a rotational guy, a guy that's going to be an every down guy that's going to be able to play seventeen to twenty two games a year. Am I doing that math right? Yeah, seventeen regular season, and then right? 21 well, twenty one. Yeah, you gave an extra game. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, you know, let him rest a little bit. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The bye week. The bye yeah, week. The bye week. week. All right. So twenty two weeks, if you want to word there you go. it from that standpoint. But yeah. Your point is well taken with respect to the fact that when coaches are studying opponents, they're taking notice yep. of what else is around the league. Joe Shane is taking notice. The front office, who they're going up against, upcoming opponents. You got to stay on top of the league because you just you never know when somebody's going to be available. And I don't think, once again, you brought in another interesting tie-in. Okereke had a career game against the Giants, and... Paris Campbell led the way with three catches for 52 yards yeah, he did. in that yep. game. Now, I understand the Colts had a rough <laughs> offensive performance, but guys stand out yeah. when you play them. And you're like, hmm, I'm going to take a mental note. Let's see if he's a free agent. See, but that's the whole thing. What you talk about, you got guys that vouch for those type of guys because they've been around them. But then also, you got the eyeball test. Yep. We watched what he they did against us. We saw it happen in real time. Not on film. We saw it happen in real time. And they were trying to block Okariki, and we couldn't block him. You know what I mean? So you see that, and that's the proof in the pudding. You see it. I, they did it. He, they balled against us, you know, and that's what happened. That I think that was the reason why I ended up signing with New England back in 2015 because in 2010, it was uh, Gronk's rookie year, and Aaron Hernandez, rest in peace, his rookie year, they, I was, we was going, we was practicing against them down there, and I was the cover linebacker. I had to cover both of those guys on a and, consistent basis, and Kevin Falk out the backfield, yep. and I did a really good job against them. And then 
New England traded for me, you know, a couple years later. But that's because you put good stuff out there, man. They remember it. You know, and, and guys like Bill Belichick, oh, they don't they forget. Don't forget. <laughs> they don't forget, you know. Yeah. So so for me, and I always tell guys, man, you got to just ball out, bro. Be prepared for everything. You know, every single day you got to play like it's a game. You know, and uh, and – I feel like, look, the Giants, the, look, I can't speak highly enough for Joe Shane and what the Giants are doing this offseason. And I feel like this is the most optimistic that the Giants uh, community has been for a very long time. Very long time. Well, given the results last season, mm-hmm. extremely encouraging. And the fact that now Joe Shane has a little bit more flexibility. Quarterback, running back. One of the best tight ends in the NFL. Defense is solid. One of the best D tackles in the NFL. Like the Giants are making a case to say, look, we're going to be able to compete with the Phillies and the, and the Cowboys. Playmakers. And, yeah, and, 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 you know, make a case to win a division and go ahead and get into the playoffs again, you know. And last year, I think you and Schmuck, we wasn't talking about the playoffs last year. You know, we were saying, like, maybe yep. we can get to 500. Maybe, if that. You know, and and now it's like, all right, can we get to the playoffs again? Can we make a push to, past the playoffs and actually win two games in the playoffs and get to that NFC Championship type of game? But that's where we're at right now with the Giants because of what they've established here. And I'm just so happy. It's been a long time coming. No, it's refreshing. There's no <laughs> doubt about that. And I think just the division overall brings a lot of excitement. Because, oh, yeah. You know, when was also Some the last team? We now. talk about four teams deep, mm-hmm. too. I, you know, that's another thing that hasn't been something that has been a popular subject. But I want to tap back into something else you also brought it up in terms of your days in New England because you were with an offense that operated around two tight ends. Yep. Well, now you look at the Giants. They got Darren Waller. They got, don't forget about Daniel Bellinger, Bellinger mm-hmm. by the way. Okay, He's not disappearing. Came off a really good rookie year, and I'm sure those guys and will be on the He missed so field. many games with the eye injury. True, he but was, went healthy, though. He was, But before he got hurt, he was the leading. Uh, he had the most touchdowns on the team. It was only like three, but well, he still— You need perspective <laughs> in the conversation, sure. Yeah, no, but in all seriousness, he took advantage of his reps— and he showed that he's a nice building block. So I'm not saying it's Gronkowski and Aaron Hernandez, okay? I'm not going that far. But you did see how an offense can operate and how the defense reacts yeah. when the tight ends create some mismatches. Yeah. It's, it's a lot of versatility with your offense when you have two productive tight ends that can both play on the ball and out wide. You know, because you can go in with 12 personnel, which is a, a two – Two tight ends and two receivers and one running back. That's 12, right? You can go in that, and that can look so many different ways. You can split all of them out. That can look like 10 personnel, which is basically four wide receivers. You can put them both in that, you know, one in the backfield. You can be 21 personnel, which is two running backs, you know, one. It's so many different things that you can do with a versatile player like Waller and a big, strong, blocking, you know, tight end that can catch the ball in Bellinger. It's just so many ways that you can do it, you know, and there's going to be a lot of mismatches. They put them both out there. You can run a drive of 10 different type of personnel with those guys on the field, and the defense has to match up to it. Good luck. Good luck yeah, to that. Yeah, it's a headache player. Mm-hmm. There's no doubt about it. And I think this is why everyone's consumed by the number one wide receiver, but I do think Waller is going to draw a lot of attention. Uh, and then you're going to get favorable matchups. And as long as those wide receivers, remember, the onus is still on them to win their one-on-ones. Yep. But you can do some damage by just Waller's presence and giving the defense something to think about. Because what was the one thing, Jonathan, the Giants were lacking this past season? Consistent, explosive plays yes. in the passing right. attack. Waller gives you explosiveness. Yep. He's got some underrated speed. I don't think he gets enough credit for that. And if they have to now roll the coverage over to his side, okay, Isaiah Hodgins, yep. take advantage One-on-one. of your matchup. Yep. You know, that's what I don't think the conversation focuses on enough. We get so consumed on fantasy football and you just want... 
seven guys that you're enamored right. with, but sometimes one guy could just move the needle slightly and change yeah, things. Just a little bit. And and when you have a guy who's having success at tight end, as a defense, you say, how do we stop this guy? How do we stop him? Usually you get other guys involved. Let's say you take a defensive end, for example. Defensive end on pass plays are rushers, right? If you have a tight end that's basically can't get covered, you're going to tell that defensive end to hit the tight end. Now he's getting you taking a player out of the rush, you know. So now he's taking a guy who's probably very talented at rushing the passer. Now that's his second priority. He has to first jam this tight end first to disrupt make sure his route. He gets so having a tight end that's you know like like a Wall or Kelsey, it just spreads out the field so much, but it also messes up the the integrity of the defense because now you have to do things like all right, guys, let's just pull this out. I know we didn't do it during the week. Now you got to do something different. And look, that just that just helps the offense out. So signing Waller was, I think, one of the best plays that any team has made this offseason. Uh, I think it was an unpredictable play. And to sign a guy that's basically a top three type of player at his position from another team that had multiple years in his contract, it's a home run. It's a home run. And Shane's, Joe Shane's not done. You know, it, we're just getting started with this stuff, you know. And he's made a lot of plays and a lot of good moves. That you know, I'm happy, and I know hopefully Giants faithful is happy on where they're at right now, and you know, looking forward to this year, man. It's it's, it's a long ways away, but oh, the yeah. more and more cogs that the, the Giants being in, and the more pieces that they solidify, you know, I, I think the next up might be Julian Love. What do we do with Julian Love? You know, he's on the table, and then still Saquon. I think they're still going to figure out a deal with Saquon. That'll probably free up some more space to go ahead and get that Julian Love deal done. And they have until July 15th to work out a long-term deal with Saquon. There was a report that Julian Love, I think, is perhaps visiting the Seattle Seahawks, according to ESPN's Adam Schefter. But once again, a visit is just a visit. Yep. There's no hardcore contract at this point. But, I mean, that's the nature of the beast. I think what you're also getting into is just when you have more options on the roster, how intriguing it is just to see what the coaching staff could do, especially based on their ability to move players around last season and develop them. But what I'm most interested in, and this is what Waller was scratching the surface of in his conversation with the media yesterday, he was asked about the offense, and he goes, Brian Dable, you look at how he's utilized tight ends. Remember, he had Dawson Knox in Buffalo, Jonathan, and you know Kafka's got experience with Kelsey in Kansas City. Do they find the middle ground between both of those guys in how they want to go about utilizing Darren Waller? I think that's going to be something to watch. And it's not, by the way, just going to be answered immediately at the beginning of the season. It could be a process where they get a feel for what he could do well as a blocker and a receiver. And then maybe they unmask something in week seven, right? Or, or week nine. And I'm just throwing out hypotheticals. I'm not saying that it may take that long, but that's the beauty when you get another chess piece and you give that to a coaching staff where they were limited last year, now you upgrade the chess pieces. Mm -hmm. And now you wonder, okay, well, what can those guys do yeah. when you now all of a sudden has bolstered the skill set and bolstered the talent pool? That, I think, adds an extra layer of excitement this season. Yeah, I definitely agree. And I, I, and we saw this week in and week out. They, they, they kind of changed the game plan as they saw based on the opponent how the team, yeah. how the Giants kind of you know, got together and started to shape up. And then every team that they played, they kind of attacked their weaknesses. That's some that's some Bill Belichick, you know, Patriots type of stuff, you yep. know, which is 
they've won a lot of games doing that. Sure. You know, so that's a great way to go at every game. So, you know, maybe Waller don't have a catch the first game, and maybe the next game he has 12 catches, two touchdowns. It could you fluctuate, know? sure. So, so, guys, be patient. I think these guys actually know what they're doing here, you know, upstairs, you know. So, uh, like I said, I love all the, all the moves that they're making. Darren Waller, unquestionably one of the better tight ends in the NFL. I think Dayball is wearing that, you know, coach of the year, you know, uh, uh, on his chest very proudly. But I know he knows he has a lot of work to do, you know, and the Giants still have a lot of work to do. Because I think getting to the playoffs and winning one playoff game, I don't think he's ready to settle for that. Well, you listened to the way he spoke after the loss to the Eagles, and he understands how difficult it is just to get to the divisional mm-hmm. round. I would agree with you, Jonathan. I think if there's anyone who doesn't need perspective in this building, it's Brian Table, <laughs> given how long he's yeah, been around buddy. and he understands the grind. And listen, I'm sure there's other guys on the coaching staff that obviously think the same way, but we only hear from Dable yep. vocally on a consistent basis. Yeah, something tells me they're not content with based on how things ended, but it's a further reminder He also knows that you don't take anything for granted. Just Mm -hmm. because you make the playoffs one year doesn't mean you just come back and you start where you left off. It's the grind all over again. That's more of a reason why rosters are fluid. You can't get content with one group because you know things can change in the heartbeat. Yep, blink of an eye. Blink of an eye. Whatever cliche you want to bring up, it holds true with respect to the dynamics of a football roster. All right, that is going to wrap up Thursday's edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live. Jonathan, always a pleasure going back and forth with you. Yes, sir. And a reminder that today's episode is part of the Giants platforms everywhere and Giants.com slash podcast. For Jonathan Casillas, I'm Lance Meadow. Stay locked to Giants.com for all the latest with respect to what the Giants are doing in free agency. And we will speak to you on Friday right here at 1230 p.m. Eastern on Big Blue Kickoff Live. Have a good one.